0: Good morning, everybody. I wanted to just quickly remind you if you love B2B SaaS and you're loving all these CEOs I have on, remember you can get all of their data in a big, beautiful spreadsheet at gitlatka.com. That's G-E-T-L-A-T-K-A dot com. So I hope you're enjoying the month. I love December. I love the holidays. And here is our program for today. This is the top entrepreneurs podcast where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I
1: had no money when I started
0: the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're a bit strapped. We have like uh, 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hey guys, my guest today is Doug Sandler. He's a podcaster, producer, and self-proclaimed big mouth. He loves big ideas, but hates small details and can often be heard yelling on the phone. Can I hire somebody for that? He's host of the Nice Guys on Business Podcast and founder of Turnkey Podcast Company. Doug, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, man, let's do it. Okay, so you have your own podcast and then you have a company that produces podcasts. Tell us about the production company first. What do you do for somebody that wants to launch their own show?
1: So concept to launch and then production post, uh, post launch, you know, the idea behind it is so many people want to do a podcast, but they, they're in this space where they don't, you know, just even the equipment for them is like, well, how do I, what do I, where do I, all of those questions. So we take their hand and basically carry them through the entire process from concept to launch. And then once they've launched, They don't want to produce their podcast because they don't want to do with any editing or anything. So we actually can create that side of it for them as well.
0: Now, I imagine a tough part of your job is someone that comes to you and says, I want to launch a show. But, you know, with your radar detection, it's going to be a total loser. Uh, It's not going to work. The format's boring. They're copying somebody else with no unique angle. How do you tell somebody No. Well,
1: you know, the, the beauty of what we do is that we have the right and all salespeople have this right. We don't, we don't have to hire every client that decides to come our way. So even though they have money, it doesn't mean that they're going to be a client of ours. So the way that we look at it is we, we look at the overall package. If we think that it is something that is marketable and sellable, and we have a show, the nice guys on business podcast that based upon our two and a half, almost three years and almost 500 episodes worth of experience. I know, really, we kind of, we understand what it takes in order to be successful with getting your message out out there. And if we don't feel like they hit on the right, um, stride and we don't think that we can take them there, then we'll, we'll, we won't hire them as a client. Be more specific
0: because there's people listening right now thinking about launching their own show and they're going, do I have what it takes? Is Doug going to accept me? I mean, literally, what do you look for? I
1: look for personality, I look for style, I look for message, and I look for what is their goal, what is the strategy, what what can we actually do with them? Sometimes it's not about getting a big audience. You can have a small audience and still monetize your podcast and make a lot of money. If, you, if your goal of your podcast is just to share your message through a different channel, absolutely, we can take anybody. If your goal is to monetize that, then we, we're we talking a whole different story because we have to understand the strategies that we're going to employ to make money out of their podcast. So do they have a book that's sellable? Do they have an online training program? Or do they have speaking services? Or are they just their goal is just to get their message out. So depending on what their goal is, there is a spot for everybody. But if they want to monetize, they've got to be able to sell what they're doing, you know, just to their audience.
0: And, and how do you charge? What's one of these like packages cost? Is it monthly or one time?
1: We charge a one-time fee depending on how much startup and how much setup that we're doing anywhere between five and 10 grand to, to start them through the process. And then we charge them again, based upon the amount of time and energy and effort that we're putting into their monthly production, we'll charge anywhere from $75 to 350 bucks per episode to actually produce the episodes.
0: Yep. And that is like, Hey, I'm sending you the raw Skype interview file. Doug, can you edit it, put on the pre-roll, the post-roll, the mid-roll sponsor and get it scheduled in Libsyn to be released at 5am on Monday morning. Exactly. And then
1: some clients come to us and don't even know that terminology that you just
0: went through, Nathan. They
1: just say, I just have these interviews. What do I do with them? And, uh, you know, oftentimes what we'll do is we will actually sit on, uh, we use a program called Zencaster. So we'll be on Zencaster with them as they're recording their interviews and they don't have to do anything beyond that. We will just, we will take that entire file and process the file for them.
0: I love this focusing just on the production business. So ignoring your own show, any sponsors, et cetera, how big is your production business? Like last year, I mean, are we talking a hundred grand in sales, a million? Well, we're fairly new at it. I mean, we've been, we have 500, just about 500
1: episodes through our podcast that we have done. We started this about six months ago. We have a dozen clients. We have a dozen clients right now. So, you know, you can do the math anywhere between five and ten grand per per launch for them. And then anywhere from three hundred and fifty to seven hundred and fifty. We actually have a couple of clients that are in the thousands of dollars every month that they spend with us. Um, our goal in two thousand and eighteen uh, is to do a half a million in in sales. Uh, the goal f- through the remaining of the year is if we can collect one hundred thousand dollars in revenue between now and the end of the year, we Just think about that we're about for what? Yep. Yep. We think we're on target to do what we're supposed to do. So
0: just to be clear, those one time setup fees with your current customer base launched only about six months ago, you're, you've done somewhere between 60 and 120 grand, five grand to 10 grand per customer. And then on top of that, you said you're doing some clients paying you thousands per month. Just give me the one number across all your clients each month. How many shows are you putting out? episodes uh, episodes. We, let's
1: see. I would have to I would really have to refer to my my technical guy and my co-host Strickland for it, that, but hundreds? let's say that we're probably no, not hundreds, definitely okay. not hundreds. We the the goal of the show, certainly we would love to be able to take on a bunch of clients, but the the goal of the of the um of the company is not to be a podcast mill. We don't want to do hundreds of podcasts. I would say that we're probably going to top out around 30, 35 customers that we feel like we can handle with the team. Nothing is outsourced. We all do we do everything in-house. Uh, we have a production company that we have. It's me and my co-host Strickland. We have an executive producer and a show producer. So between the four of us, we're working with these clients. So I would say, I, I don't know, uh, 50, 50, yeah, 50 episodes that we're doing in the course of a month right now. Yeah. So most people uh, then,
0: if I'm doing the math right, 50 divided by 10 ish customers each. They're publishing mostly weekly. For exactly. Thank you. If you, that was the end result that
1: we were trying to get to most podcasts are doing weekly episodes. Exactly. Very rare that you have somebody that would be as crazy as we are to do five episodes a week. We just we love it. And this is our space. So you we're, and we're me
0: going. both, man. That's why I wanted to have you on You're you're daily. I'm daily. It's like it's part of the process. So let's shift Kay. focus to your show. You, and I cut you off. What were you going to say?
1: No, no. I was going to say we're, we're the only ones that have the medication that can keep up with the show, with the episodes that we're doing right now. Like,
0: like literally, right? Yeah, there you I mean, go. My
1: pillbox is empty. There's nothing left. Dude, you, you've got to get that pillbox filled. And then when,
0: when, that, when that goes, you just have to start with a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Grind it in the blender in the morning and chug it, right? All right. So yeah, tell us about your show. So you said you launched it about three years ago, 500 episodes of why launch the show. So
1: originally the
0: purpose of the show was launched to promote my book. I have a book called uh, nice
1: guys finish first and this whole nice guys brand. It really came as a result of, um, of us trying to, uh, well, me trying to promote my book. Uh, the podcast came because I wanted to try to, I'm a 50 some year old guy in a market. I w- We were joking about this before you hit the, the record button in a market filled with 20 somethings. And I'm thinking, what new media space can I get into? So blogging, social media, uh, podcasting, um, uh, email, bla- I mean, all of these things And I mean, I'm not used to that. I'm used to picking up the phone and making a cold call, you know, well before the internet came to be. So for me, this podcast platform was just another channel to promote my book. had, I realized that it was going to be as strong as it was. I would have started out of the gate with five episodes, but I, we started with one episode. We started with one episode a week,
0: a week, and then you've scaled it up.
1: Yep. Exactly. And, and when, in the beginning we were getting you know, 200, 300 downloads an episode. And while that's good, it's not, you know, that well, it's probably about average for most podcasts. It was not giving us the bounce and the play that we really wanted. So we boosted it to two and then three and then four episodes a week. What are you and doing now
0: five- each episode? And call. And by the way, time is a critical thing here. So let's just put a cap and say in the first six months or so, how many downloads will each episode get?
1: Oh my gosh. In the first six months of us doing. You mean currently or back when we first? Sorry, started no, doing? no.
0: So people try and game these numbers. So I always try and be specific. If you release an episode today and six give it six from now, months, we'll yeah, four,
1: we'll have four to five thousand downloads for that episode. That's great. Okay, good. So, so, you, so it's a good number, but it's not anywhere near where we want to be. Why do you say that? Well, because we're building a podcast production company based upon the strength of the of the audience, not because we want to have them as clients, but what is, Nathan, if I were to say to you, what's one of the most important things? Well, you're a little bit more learned in the, in the podcasting space, so you might give a different answer, but what is the most important thing for you as a podcaster to have?
0: Mm-hmm. The, the email of a listener.
1: Okay, the email of a listener, and some people might say a big audience. The bigger the audience, the bigger the email list. So people always... They judge based upon the old school tactics of what's what makes a good television show. They used to they used to say a lot of listeners, or a lot of viewers. In in our space, the world is so focused on that that they say the more listeners that you have, the more downloads that you have, the better your show's going to do. So although you and I know that that's not the reality of it, I could have 20 listeners and if all 20 of them buy $10,000 products from me, I'm feeling really good. I could have 100,000 listeners, which is about average for what our monthly volume is, 100,000 downloads. We, um, If we had nobody that bought any services from us, that would be really shitty. So we look at it and say, we're responding to what our audience is asking us for, which is a big listening audience. And we don't care that we have a big audience, but we do.
0: Yep. No, it makes good sense. And to me,
1: the key—just so you know—the key is not my audience. I love my audience, and we listen to what they want us to have as as um, content for the show. But for me, the con- the the biggest thing is that guy sitting in what I call the hot seat next to us. That becomes that person becomes my next client because it's so easy to build a relationship in 20 or 25 or 30 minutes with that person. Then at the end of that time, say, why don't you have a podcast? And since we've already developed a 20-minute relationship, which is which is gold. Those answers to the questions that they gave when they were on the show, those are all the things that I'm going to use to help. i don't I don't want to say that I strategy I, I manipulate them, but that's what I'm going to use to help close them on on starting their own podcast. So my monetization tool does not come from my audience. It comes from that guy sitting next to me. I don't even care if I have an audience. I love my audience. We call them our funkin fans or nice guy community. But m- my audience is not where I'm making my money. I'm making my money from my guests that are sitting next to me.
0: DRMs might be the tool that I fight with the most. I just haven't found one that I really liked. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but they're just so tricky. And a while ago, I had a guy named John Lee on my show. He's the CEO of ProsperWorks. And he told me they just passed 40,000 customers and 24 million in annual revenue. So they're doing about $286,000 in revenue per employee. And I said, wow, why is this working? And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I went to prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM signed up and it immediately became clear why it worked. Those of you that love growth hacking, you should go to that link just to see how they do the onboarding. That's prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. In short, it's like magic. You know, I'm not the guy that you know, finishes the sales call, and then takes the time to actually put data into the CRM, they have this magical way of just doing it. And it's a beautiful thing. So every morning when I wake up, I just go, okay, what leads are ProsperWorks telling me to reach out to because they're most likely to close and it works so well. And you guys know I love money and I love only focusing on the leads that are going to close. So I encourage you to try ProsperWorks or sponsoring the show. Check them out at prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. Folks, that's again, prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. I can't say this, but, you know, I get CEOs on the show and I just beat the hell out of them to get all their revenue data. I, it's not about my audience at all. If If I was the only listener, I would still do it. But the audience gives me leverage to say, listen, there's four million people listening. Give me the data.
1: So, so what you just said, you encapsulated probably the last five minutes of rant that I just (laughs) went on. You said it in two sentences. and That is exactly right. And that's exactly our strategy. And that's how we have built a successful business.
0: Books. How many book sales of that initial book uh, that you launched? How many have you sold? Oh geez, I sell more going out to speaking engagements than I sell through
1: Amazon. So I would say several thousand a year I sell through speaking engagements, just because my my keynote audiences are the ones that buy my buy my book. You
0: self published?
1: No, no, I sell. I published through a company called Motivational Press. Uh, did a really good job for me. Uh, didn't cost me anything up front, but they did all of the design and they and did the they pay in advance? I, no, no advance. And I didn't. I wasn't looking for an advance. I was really looking for the book as my calling card. And to separate me from as a professional speaker, if there's a guy that's got a book and a guy that doesn't have a book, I'm going to get the gig.
0: When you go speaking, do you say, I mean, one, do you have a fee? And if so, what is it? Uh, anywhere between five and 10 grand right now. Okay. number two, how do you say, how does the conversation go when someone reaches out and say, I want you to speak and you say my fee is 10 grand, but you can get me for free. If you buy X amount of books, how's that conversation sound?
1: No, the conversation definitely doesn't sound like that. Here are my fees. And I basically say, if my fee, if, let's say that I can determine from our conversation that my fee is going to be $10,000 from what they're looking me to do. I'll say my fee is $10,000 to come out. Uh, we really re- strongly recommend that you put a book in everybody's hands that's in that audience. So if it's another 150 people that are in that audience at 20 bucks a piece, I, I don't know what the math is. What's that? Three thousand, three thousand dollars. So for if for thirteen thousand dollars plus travel and, and expenses, you have me coming out doing a keynote for your audience. Got uh, for it. So your, the books for are on team.
0: top of not swapping.
1: Right. And I don't want to do any backroom sales. That's not my, that's not my thing. If they want to buy them and resell them to their people, if they have a, an entrepreneurial audience or they're, you know, it's not their people in that audience, then that's up to them. But I'm not sending a staff member to sell books in the back of the room. I personally don't like that approach, but that's just me.
0: Yep. That makes good sense. Okay. So I'm understanding all these kind of different streams, right? So you have your speaking engagements. How many do you do a year on average?
1: Uh, I would, let's say 30, 35. I think I'll probably do closer to 40 this year, but That's let's a just lot. say 30. it's a lot and it's, it's good. Some of them are local. Fortunately, some of them are travel. I've just spent the last month on the road. Probably. I don't know. The last 30 days, I've probably been out of town 17 or 18 of those days. So it's a lot.
0: Are you booking all these yourself? It's all inbound or do you work with an association or have a agent?
1: The challenge is because I'm a relatively new speaker, meaning I'm a guy that's been in business for, you know, I started uh, speaking professionally in 2013. So in less than five years, I've built this business. A lot of the speaking agencies do not want to talk to me. Washington Speakers Bureau and and the in and, and the elite power groups of simply of because
0: agents. of how long you've been doing it.
1: Uh, well, because I'm not charging consistently the right number for them. They're not going to book a five thousand dollar speaker. And you know, honestly, the way that I look at it is. If I have a, an audience that potentially is huge potential for me, I'll go out and speak free. I mean, I'm not, I'm not advertising this, but I would go out and speak free if the opportunity is, well, I have 10 speaking gigs that I can pull out of that group at $10,000. A speaking bureau does not want to hear that. All they want to know is kickball, get checked. 25 grand, 25 grand, 25 grand. That's their minimum,
0: 25 grand usually? No, no,
1: I don't know what their, geez, I don't know if that's what their minimum is, but I would say they're not talking to you unless you're you're charging 10 grand.
0: Yeah, interesting, makes good sense. Okay, let's wrap up here, Doug, with the famous five. These are just one word answers. Number one, what's your favorite business book?
1: Oh, wow, I would have to tell you that would be- Besides um, your own. Who moved my cheese? <laughs> Spencer Johnson. I'm just thinking that that's the first thing that came to my mind. Who moved my cheese? Who that was a moved great book my about,
0: cheese? about change and change management. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now?
1: Uh, Gary V is probably a guy that I that I respect just because uh, he's he's badass. And um, while I don't necessarily agree with all of his business philosophies, I like how he's done it through hard work and and hustle.
0: At number three, uh, is there a favorite online tool you have, like Acuity Scheduling?
1: Uh, acuity is great, but I would tell you for a podcaster right now, my, my favorite tool is Zencaster, a really easy tool to use to record, uh, my podcast interviews.
0: Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
1: <laughs> uh, I would like to say eight, but it's probably closer to five to six.
0: All right. And, uh, what's your situation? Married single. Do you have kids?
1: Uh, all of those things
0: <laughs> married and how, how, how many kids married, married, divorced, two kids, 21 and 25. Got it. Got it. So to, just to be clear today, you're divorced, but you were married and you have two kids. I am married now. Oh, I got was it. Remarried. Before,
1: remarried. Uh, two kids. Sorry, I, I got the age of my older one wrong. It's actually 24. That's, 21 and 24.
0: That's okay. All right. So two kiddos. And how old are you, Doug? I am 53. 53. 53 years young. All right, last question. Take us back 20 or 33 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew?
1: Gosh, that, uh, that all of the shit was coming down the pike because I'll tell you something, uh, being humble, I built a business for 30 years as a uh, professional DJ. And the best part about it is that I rose to the top of my field, but uh, didn't understand at 47, I was going to reinvent. So I would tell you that uh, just if I understood that success was going to duplicate again and again and again in my life, I would not I would have taken more chances, taken more risks and, and developed myself a little bit a little bit earlier
0: there you guys have it from doug take more risks take more chances he's got book sales cranking out three four years ago he launched his own podcast specifically to drive book sales it ended up doing well they wanted to increase the frequency now do five episodes per month they're also doing uh you know uh, close to the six figure mark uh in this pro- uh, podcast production company where they'll charge between five and ten grand to set up your show and then some amount of money per episode maybe 70 bucks all the way up to 300 bucks uh, each episode depending on the complications uh to get those out ongoing for you both businesses growing very fast doug thank you 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 so much for taking us to the top.
1: Nathan, thank you so much.